all language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue. We would be honored if you would join us. How are you feeling? Your latest workups on your condition indicate that all damage has been reversed. Recovery is total. I believe you have been quite fortunate. No further thanks are necessary, Commander, but you are most welcome. It is my function and pleasure as a metaphoric to help and heal human beings. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. Alright, hello, welcome everyone to the Star Wars from the Back to Tank podcast. This is the Mandalorian edition. Today we're going to be discussing and breaking down the season finale of The Mandalorian's second season. And the episode that we will be discussing is titled Chapter 16, The Rescue. Hello, David. How are you? How's it going, everyone? All right. So this episode was directed by Peyton Reed and written by the showrunner himself, John Favreau. Okay, so we've reached the season finale for season two. And I can say there was a big improvement this season with intent, with intent, with motivation, with focus. This show has its fair share of writing problems. I feel (laughs) like that is a thought that you and I have definitely put out there. Right, Dave? Yes, absolutely. But, But Dave, overall, this season for me was satisfying. Yeah, it made the finish line. Like, I will say that, that basically... Did it stick the landing? Yes. It yeah. stuck the landing. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. I mean, like, you follow the the overall story of Mandalorian Season 2 was about Grogu and Dejeron. And did you get there? Yeah. Yes. And fleshing out that personal relationship. That personal relationship and coming to kind of like an end of a chapter. I want. I don't want to say that this is the end. This is the end of the Dejeron book, and now we're moving on to the book <laughs> of, of, of the fan, according to fans. Yeah, according to fans, but and that would be pretty awesome, according to fans. <laughs> narratively, narratively, Dude, according to some fans, it would be okay for them to rewrite the Rise of Skywalker and just call it the Rise of Bubble Fat. That's pretty how. Much. That's how delusional some of these fat fans are. Yeah, with those bro, with those bro Bubba Fett fans. Yeah, <laughs> but like. With the narrative of Dejeron and Grogu, this is kind of like the end of the first. I feel it's the first act or first chapter mm-hmm. of their relationship. This felt like a true conclusion opposed to last season. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Because like by the time that basically Grogu leaves, you really do feel like there's still something left in the tank for both characters like yeah i don't feel like this is an ending by any means in fact it's a cliffhanger it's but a cliffhanger it, 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 there was a, a feeling of resolve there was a feeling of closure yes like both characters understood if this is how it has to be we don't like it but that's why i thought that final scene where he takes off the helmet oh. and pedro pascal finally talks to the finally gets to talk on screen yeah was so powerful because like the Jaren basically taking off the helmet and showing his face to Grogu and saying, this isn't the last time I will see you again, dude, that moment with Pedro Pascal. That's like awesome. That's, I mean, okay. If Pedro Pascal has not sold 
Favreau and Filoni on, hey, let me take my helmet off from these last two episodes, then they just don't care. Yeah. I'm like, dude, look at the performances. The the last episode is probably my favorite of the season because of him, because of the, because of the performance. And then this episode here, the finale, that scene was sold because the two of them being able to see the faces and, and Grogu touching uh, the Jaren's face. It was a very powerful moment. Yeah. And it was like just sheer drama. That, that was like a, a sheer character drama right there. Mm-hmm. And it yeah. was done well. Yeah. So, Dave, we know how to be positive. I know some people may think that we don't know how to be positive at times. <laughs> yes. It's no secret that we do have some of the issues, some issues with the writing on this show. Yes. Um, because of the running time and the short season order, there really isn't a sizable amount of time to do certain things, mostly because Favro is just not that excellent at writing TV. But at least he chose to focus on things that were important. And yes, as you mentioned, the biggest win for me is the relationship between Dejaren and Grogu. Hands yeah. down, that is the biggest moment of the entire season. It's a truly touching relationship. And that for me is the biggest win and in, I, in the way of substance. Yes, in the way of substance, because I understand that fans absolutely went gaga. I went gaga for the surprise cameo we got to get in the very end don't get me wrong i lost my mind when it started substance wise for me what was more impactful and more powerful was getting that moment between grogu and dejaren it was needed it was needed you it have was to have needed it for for the entire series and that has been essentially the foundation of the last two seasons without a doubt yeah um, they were still building the foundation. These last two seasons seem to be exactly that, putting that foundation down. And if anything, they could say the foundation has been set. And now moving to season three, we can just add on to that. And despite the ending, I'm sure that the relationship between the two of them will remain the heart of the show. The heart of the show. Yeah, I honestly feel that. And it's something that I just realized, too, in all of Star, in all of star wars that me and you have covered from clone wars to rebels they've tackled this this notion that these children get taken away right in one way or fashion because they're force users right away from their families and this is probably the first time i can truly feel there is true emotion here where they actually show that there is consequence there is emotion behind a parent letting a child go because, like, they've done it so many times in uh, Clone Wars and Rebels, I, I began to realize that you don't get those emotion bits. You don't get those basically ties that how important this moment is where the child has to go get training or, you know, gets taken by the Sith. Here, we finally got it with, with what we saw between Grogu and Dejaren. Yeah. Because essentially, Dejaren's his father. That's the thing. He's the adopted father of, of Grogu. And Dejaren's not a force user. He doesn't understand any of this. Yeah, but he understands that he belongs with his people. Yes. For he, various reasons. He I mean, understands the, the underlying elements. And he doesn't understand the power. He tr- he doesn't truly fathom the power of the Jedi at this moment. Exactly. So I'm sure that's something we'll have him slowly get acclimated to next season. I don't think we're done. With- I know. 
with that's- Jedi's. I mean, Luke Skywalker, Dave. <laughs> Apparently, the sky's the limit. The sky is the limit. I had a feeling someone important would show up and save them just because the, the deck was starting to stack pretty stack. high against them. I'm like, okay, well, you guys are not going to get out of this. And I had thought it would be Ahsoka. I, I just Same like, you know what? Ahsoka's going to show up and just fucking kick some ass. But when I saw that X-Wing flying in, I was like, oh, mama. <laughs> like that, that's fucking Luke. No, and the best part by far is like when they say a ship is coming in and I kept saying, I kept telling myself, oh, it's going to be Ahsoka. We'll see maybe the ghost. That would be cool. See ghosts come in. And all of a sudden it's just one lone X, X-Wing. It didn't dawn on me till it, the, the you see the X-Wing and I'm like going, no, yeah, no, they couldn't. They wouldn't. That's what I said. Dude, it's so funny. The same thoughts are going through my mind. I'm like, no. It only hit me once you see the cloak figure. Yeah. Just get off. Well, the, that's get when off the it ship. became real. Because I, like I said, yeah. I did, when I saw the X-Wing, I was like, I'm like, no, come on. <laughs> Don't do this. Don't this do is, this to me. This isn't really happening. I'm not ready for this. Yeah. And, and then, dude, getting to see Luke kick some ass. It, oh it was cool God. to see that. It was cool. I mean, it's just something that we've never I read some tweets and there's a lot of people just kind of talking shit about it saying this is what the Star Wars fans wanted right Luke Skywalker kicking ass this is what you want and congratulations I'd be like, I'd be like yeah and I, <laughs> and I would say yeah that as well I'm like yeah I, I do want that because we've never you act like we've seen it before yeah when have we seen Luke kick ass we we haven't we haven't we have not seen Luke actually fight I'm it, sorry never Ever have we truly seen him, seen him battle? And yeah. so for, you know, those stupid loser Star Wars fans out there that want to hate on things like this. I mean, of course, we're excited. This is the 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 character we grew up watching, Luke Skywalker, and being able to do something that we've never seen him do. Of course, we're going to get excited. And yes, that's what we wanted. Yeah. On screen. That's the key. This is the first time ever we've seen Luke truly fight like a jedi at a hundred percent like a fucking jedi like a jedi yeah because people will say well what about return of the jedi he's not there yet because he has to actually defeat darth vader and look that scene was amazing in return of the jedi yeah and i'll never take away from that but this is a luke at a hundred percent but we've never got to see jedi luke yes like true jedi luke there was a comment thread on Twitter mocking the scene and the fans that liked it. It was from the same people that loved the last Jedi and they seem to hate everything except that movie. <laughs> the last much. Jedi has created this weird cult. It has. It's a fandom it within a fandom. And I don't hate the last Jedi. I make a lot of jokes. I, I, I can get behind the story. I'm not one of those people that hated the idea with Luke. In fact, I thought it was pretty fucking cool oh yeah and that reveal that he wasn't really there was fucking awesome overall the script on the last jedi is written really poorly it's yes. not the decisions they went with or the story it's just the way it was written out the the mechanics of the script didn't quite work it That's was the execution been my problem with the movie it's not it's not what ryan johnson wanted to give to us yeah okay so i I just want to say that for any potential new listeners, but I don't understand how the last Jedi has managed to carve out its own fandom to where many of these people hate 
everything. These same people will talk shit about George Lucas saying that he was shitty, that his movie sucked, but then they love The Last Jedi. How can you like The Last <laughs> Jedi and hate, hate everything else? Everything it doesn't else. make sense. No. So they said, this is what the, the comment thread, it had like 2,000 likes and like 3,000 shares by one of these haters. They said they will never understand Star Wars fans that want Luke to remain a one-dimensional character forever. And then they put stills, still images from him fighting in the Mandalorian. And I just, the only thing I have to say about that, Dave, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but number one, Luke Skywalker has never been one dimensional. Have you not watched Empire Strikes Back or Return of the Jedi? Yeah. Number one, talk about decisions and the weight of the universe on your shoulders. New Hope, yes, kind of one dimensional, a little boring, his character. Absolutely. Yeah. Empire, completely different. Return of the Jedi. Just watch the last 20 minutes of Return of the Jedi and you will see just how he just how multi-dimensional Luke Skywalker is. Number one. Number two, this is a cameo scene with Luke showing up to fight. You can literally say that about any character that pops up and fight fights and then call them one dimensional because all they're doing is fighting. Yeah. This isn't a story about Luke. This is just a moment. We're in a world that is large and it would make sense for Luke to show up. We're not, would you want them to cut out 20 minutes and decide to build some character development Yeah, on a show? That's not his. That's not his. It was surely a way to give us an awesome send off, uh, you know, because this is a finale and some people may say it was a stupid idea, it was a bad idea, but it makes perfect sense logically. Uh, how many times have I said this, Dave? Where we are in the Star Wars timeline currently, five years after Return of the Jedi. Yes. This is what you would expect to happen. Yes. Because here's the thing. We already know Grogu sent out a message out to the Force and someone answered him. Ahsoka, turn <laughs> Ahsoka turned him down. Luke Skywalker Because here. she was not... She felt she wasn't ready good enough to actually train him. Right. The only other person out in the galaxy by only public knowledge that could possibly be better than Ahsoka. And based on Star Wars canon. And based on Star Wars canon is Luke. Who is currently putting together a Jedi Academy. A Jedi Academy. Now, the, the thing I want, I tell people is this is not Luke in, in the new trilogy. The new trilogy takes place almost 10 years yeah. after this moment. Luke is just coming off of Return of the Jedi five years later and being pro proclaimed almost as a mythic figure, as, a, as almost like a King Arthur type of figure. Of course, he's going to be this powerful, and he's going to basically start amassing all the children and bringing them in and starting the Jedi Academy. It's only until 10 years later that we have the story of Kylo Ren and right. Rey. Yeah. So by that time, yes, Luke is old. I think these people that are complaining, Dave, are, I think they're simply pissing in the sandbox because they're upset that Filoni and Favaro are giving fans things that they like. Yeah. And and listen, I have my problems with some of it. Yes, I because here. I feel like we need to be very careful. We don't want to turn this show into a, a fan film. 
where anything goes, oh, you're in it and you're in it and you're in it. As long as it makes sense logically, according to where we are currently within the timeline or the time frame of Star Wars, then the sky is the limit. And bringing Luke in actually makes perfect sense. Yeah. So, And in a lot of ways, Luke, the story is not about Luke. That moment pertains to the culmination of the journey of Grogu and Jaren. Jaren knows that basically he, at the end of this journey, mm-hmm. he has to return Grogu to his people. Yeah. Or, or what he says is his people. And we all know that. We, even as an audience, since and episode who one. who else is it going to be? And who's it going to be? Yeah. Who do so, you, you want him to give him to some random, random Jedi knight that basically says he's a force user? It, d- it just wouldn't make sense. It There's wouldn't no make one, sense. Do you really want them to introduce some rando Jedi that we never have seen and we have questions and we hand Grogo off to him at the end, it would feel very weird. Now, yeah. if they had introduced someone like that early on, then it would work. And I'm sure we're going to get there eventually. We're going to start yeah. seeing the world open up a bit for right. But for right now, where we're at currently with the Mandalorian story, ultimately the scene works and it just a little disheartening when you open up social media and you see the TLG cult, that's why I'd stay the away TLJ called like just complaining. I'm like, come on guys. I mean, seriously, are you just trying to, it's like payback because people didn't like TLJ. Yeah. So they have to make sure they piss inside of everyone else's, you know, sandbox. And I thought that the choice was actually executed really well by Favreau because he was like going, I have to at least give the audience some comfort that th- this is going to be a sad moment. It's the, it's the separation of Grogu and Dejaren. And this whole time we've, we've, as an audience fixated on the fact that they're together. They're they're for better terms, they're father and son. I think Dave on and and the thing was, I began to realize he chose specifically Luke at that moment to make the audience comfortable with the knowledge that Grogu is going off with Luke because during that scene, you have the moment with R2. R2 shows up. And all of a sudden I'm like going you know what? I feel comfortable. Grogu's with R2 and Luke. You know what it felt like, Dave? It felt kind of like an Empire Strikes Back ending. Yeah, you, know, you had that sad ending, but then there was hope. There's hope. At the end. Exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. and Luke and R2 represent Grogu has hope. He's he's going to be safe, people. Things are going to be all right. He's going to be all right. You're Dejaren, right, Dave. You're Dejaren's right. sad. Don't get me wrong. I love that shot of Pedro Pascal just standing there watching Luke walk away with Grogu and then the, the, the doors shut Mm -hmm. and his helmets right by him because it is absolutely heart wrenching seeing the Jaren and he's like going, my mission's come to an end and he doesn't want to let him go. Okay. He doesn't. Yeah. I listen, you, you sold me Dave. You didn't need to sell me, but you did. (laughs) I just hope that I can actually sell like listeners out there because I'm, I'm with you. I'm like going, the 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 people who want just to shit on Star Wars every day, I'm like going. You have to at this point just accept Star Wars yeah. for what it is. Yeah, just accept it. I'm just thankful that we got an emotional moment. I mean, yeah, that's what I've wanted with this entire series. I wanted something to be, you know. Believe it or not, I don't want a one dimensional series. I don't want a one dimensional character, no. and that's why ultimately. At the end of the series or the end of the season, I was satisfied because I'm like, okay, you guys did it. You, you guys did you, it. You actually you s- managed to 
to create the emotions. You managed to bring all of this together, the things that you've been working towards. You've you've brought it together and you've created an emotional moment. That's what writing is about. That's it's what about. writing drama is all about. Yes. So, all right. So once again, the visual effects team, David, switching gears here. The visual effects team just knocks it out the park. <laughs> Luke looked better here than Princess Leia did in Rogue One. I was actually going to bring this up to you. Do you think? Uh, do you think that basically seeing him, seeing this type of technology in the smaller screen, mm-hmm. works better than seeing it in theaters? Well, I because blew it I, up. I, I watched it on my big screen. Uh-huh. I, I don't think it has to do with the big screen necessarily. If, if you look at, because I'll watch Princess Leia and Rogue One now on my computer screen and on my TV in my bedroom, and it just looks like a plastic mess it's not great i still don't understand why they chose to do that they didn't need to show her face i did not like it whereas this for a second or two there's a bit of that uncanny valley thing Uh going on but once your mind adjusts it works just fine but there is that one or two seconds that's a little jarring it is yeah and then and then you get adjusted and you're like okay this is really good and there's a little lifelessness to the eyes. There but, is. But here's the thing. That lifelessness, because I thought about this, the lifelessness works because at that point, as weird as it sounds, Luke is at true balance. And he's calm. He's calm. I, listen, I, I no thought the exact same thing. To see him completely cool, calm, and collective, I do agree that possibly could be the reason why they were going with that look as well. Yeah. So I don't have a problem with it. Ultimately, I was, I mean, fucking impressed. The The visual effects team on The Mandalorian always impresses me. Yes. I'm just wowed. Every single episode, I'm wowed by something they do. And that and was a big cool. wow. That's a ballsy thing to do. Uh-huh. Like, I mean, dude, if Favaro, if I was in that room and when they're making that decision, I'd be the fucking like, guys, no, fucking Ixnay on Luke Skywalker. Eh? Like, no, <laughs> like, let's not even go there right now. Let's wait for another five years when technology is perfect. But ultimately it worked. And I don't see a lot of people complaining about the visual effects. I think most people totally get it and understand. Hey, look, Mark Hamill is fucking 70 years old. There's no way we're going to get him ever to play uh to play luke but i'm wondering if the actor they cast to play the the body double yeah i'm wondering if his facial features matches mark hamill so that eventually maybe we slowly pull away from that and we just have this character play luke skywalker maybe it's gonna happen dave someday we're gonna have to truly recast Luke, let's just be honest. There's forever is a long time, Dave, and Star Wars isn't going anywhere. So, do you honestly think we're never going to see another version of Luke? Exactly, and yeah. I'm I'm kind of with you. I'm like going, we the technology is great right now, but we're going to have to at least because you have to give emotion, right? And unfortunately, CGI cannot give emotion as well as the human face. Right. And I can see them. There are a couple techniques to help people with the mental process that they can do. For example, you make it a several phase process. You introduce this character and you slowly just fade the effect away to where yeah. suddenly the character is now your eyes have adjusted and you don't actually pay attention to 
the dissimilarities. And I'll be honest, the guy that actually did the body, the the body uh, stand-in for uh, Mark Hamill, his name is Max Lloyd Jones. Mm-hmm. He looks pretty close to a young Mark Hamill. I mean, if you look uh, look it up, Mike, his name is Max Lloyd Jones. Yeah. He's been in uh, uh, I Zombie and the Sandlot. Mm-hmm. He, I think you could see the them actually pull the technology away and have him take over as Luke. I could see them doing that over time. Over time, without a doubt. And so, honestly, the the it's time. I don't want to have that feeling like I had in the in the sequel trilogies where I was looking at like the Princess Leia effects. It was, was cool. So, uh, it was cool, but. At there the were, there the was eyeline issues, though. There yeah. were so many problems that I had with with Leia and Rise of Skywalker. And Rise of Skywalker, I'm like going, I wish we would have just basically recast. I, that, that's what I said from day one, and everyone fucking wanted to fucking kill me and put me on a, a fucking... They wanted to crucify me, Dave, because I said, let's just recast Leia. <gasps> How dare you? <laughs> like, listen, we would have got a better movie, probably, if we did. And I give props to Mark Hamill, because Mark Hamill... The day after this comes out, he basically was he was really impressed. With Dude, it the, looks just like him as with, a young man. Him. I mean, I have the his uh, I have his exact quote that he put out. He said, "The fact that we were able to keep my involvement a secret for over a year with no leaks is nothing less than a miracle, a real tri- triumph." I, I can't wait to see the behind the scenes on this because he was actually involved in it i was going to bring that up in just a second here he was actually listed as part of the cast as part of the cast so i want to see what what they did did they scan his bone structure i don't think that's his voice a part of me is like going i was wondering that too is because he doesn't even sound like he didn't really quite sound like young mark hamill either yeah it sounded it sounded a little off i didn't know if it was pre-recorded they took lines from older, from a younger Mark Hamill from yeah. like Return of the Jedi and just sound edited it. Yeah. Or maybe it was actually Mark Hamill and he, he is a voice actor. He is a voice actor. So a really good one. Yeah. So as I said, it seems like no isn't in the equation any longer when it comes to the Mandalorian. If they brought Luke in at this point, Dave, anything is possible moving forward. Yeah. Uh, the original concept for the series was not going to include any of these things like Ahsoka, Thrawn, Luke Skywalker. It was supposed to operate as its own universe in a universe, mostly because Lucasfilm weren't sure what they were going to do within this time period post Return of the Jedi. And now that the Mandalorian has essentially become the flagship of Star Wars, the savior of Star Wars that idea has obviously changed. Yes. And as we can tell by the numerous moments this season and the finale, it's full steam ahead. And that makes me really excited for season three because now there's nothing stopping the writers of the Mandalorian from really pushing the mythos of Star Wars forward. Yes. I'm a little hesitant as well, just because, you know, I've, I've been shit on most of my life. <laughs> I am nervous because I also want them to have restraint. Exactly. You don't want them to go totally one way or another. I mean, I understand Favreau and Filoni made it perfectly clear. Mandalorian was 
essentially made for the fans. And I dig that. Okay, make it for the fans. However, they have to execute it. They got to have restraint for the fans. That's all I. They have, have to have just restraint. Just restraint, right? Just like, restraint. Do what you got to do for your story, but at the center of everything, it has to be one hundred percent about story. Yes. How is bringing Luke into your series going to benefit? Obviously, we know it worked. Let's say you want to bring in someone else that's relevant in the Star Wars universe. First thing you got to think of, does it make sense? Does it work? And how will it push the story of the Mandalorian forward? How is it going to affect Grogu? How is it going to affect Dejeron? They, they, they have to approach it like how they did with Ahsoka. Remember the Ahsoka episode, me and you were like... That's a perfect example, yeah. Me and you were like going, how are they going to make this work? And... At the end of the day, after we saw that episode, I was like going, I didn't realize, yeah, bringing in Ahsoka pushes the story of the of Dejeron and Grogu forward. It's, you know, it's fantastic seeing Ahsoka, seeing her having a side mission. Okay. But still, Ahsoka was there to push the relationship of Dejeron and Grogu forward, especially with that scene around the campfire where she, where she is telling Dejeron, yeah, Grogu can talk. But the thing is, he can only, you know, talk through his mind <laughs> and you have to understand him that way. That was cool. And it it still tied to the main story. Luke coming in tied into the main story, which yeah. I was really happy. That's with. always got to be the, the focus. That has to be the focus. No matter what, no matter what you're writing on that whiteboard when you're planning your show. The story needs to come before and, anything else. And the moment, the moment I was happy that I, that I felt that Favreau understood that it, this is still about Dejeron and Grogu. Yes. Was when Luke tells Dejeron, he's looking for you to give permission. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I just wanted to stand up and clap. I wanted to clap because if it would have sucked if Luke just scooped up Grogu and walked away, right? But like, David, why do you keep bringing us back to the Jared and that we talked about that like moment. four times? I know it was cool, dude. I've watched that scene like 10 times. No, but we've already <laughs> go ahead. But one last time, bring us back to it. But that one last time, one last time. That moment was the time that basically you tied Luke to Grogu and, and to Jared's story perfectly. Luke basically looks at the Jared and says, hey, you got to you have to make that decision. It's not my decision. Which is which was nice. <laughs> yeah, it's up to Dejeron. Yeah, Luke didn't go in there. So give me this little shit. <laughs> give me this little shit. I'm the master now. <laughs> All right. So also, just when the Bubble Fett fans had been validated, <laughs> everyone had assumed based on the previous episodes that Boba Fett was Mandalorian. Well, that's still not the case, as we had seen with that little run in between uh, Bo Katan and Fett. He's not a Mandalorian. He never claimed to be. So we weren't wrong, David. Yeah. We're still right. We're still right. And that's all that matters. <laughs> I really like that moment because um, it acknowledges the huge history that both these characters are part of within Star Wars that the mainstream, for the most part, have no idea about. Oh, yeah. Uh, there were a lot of people posting on social media, people who have not watched Clone Wars. People have not watched Rebels. Yes. And they didn't understand 
anything. Oh, dude. That they were talking about. They didn't even understand the donor aspect. You know, what did she mean by that? I'm like, well, have you watched the prequels, motherfucker? (laughs) I know that's that moment. Like, I was so frustrated because, like, I knew no one that watched Clone Wars and Rebels would understand the dialogue, especially when she makes the comment, your voice has haunted me because I've heard it a thousand times. I'm like, (laughs) yeah, she's right. Did she say haunted? I I think it was haunted. I, I don't think she said haunted. But she did say something along those along lines. those lines, and I'm like going, yes, she would be very familiar with that voice because she would have heard the clone troopers' voices all the goddamn right. time, and that's why I like that because without spending too much time on it, remembering that this show is about Dejeren and Grogu, they managed to acknowledge the history, the deep, big history that these characters both have within Star Wars, and for you newbies out there. Jango Fett from the prequels was the original donor for the cloned army and the prequel era. Yes. That's why all the clones look like him. And Boba Fett is also a clone. That's why he looks just like him. Jango asks for a clone without accelerated growth so he can raise one of them as his son. There's more to it than that, but that's the basics. And that's what that entire thing meant. And suddenly you just blew the mind of the mass audience that has been watching Mandalorian, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> they're, so they're going, what? Yeah. That makes no sense. Wait a second. A donor. Yeah. He was just a donor. That's it. Boba Fett's just a clone. So that little skirmish helped with bringing some info to light and it helps build that distinction that is needed uh, Boba Fett is not like the Mandalorians. He's not a good guy, nor is he necessarily bound by honor. He's out for number one. That scene needed to happen. Yes. It needed to happen. There needed to be that distinction. And uh, that little skirmish with Bo-Katan and Fett did exactly that. Yes, I agree with that. And that's one big reason why I loved that post credit sequence dave <laughs> because it, it fits his character so much yes thank you for i just want to thank disney for not making them pull back bobo fett shot bib fortuna <laughs> point blank in the chest although dude man bib fortuna made it just went downhill <laughs> yeah dude he went from he went from skinny to i don't know to, was to my dump, joke? Uh, i don't know my joke i lost to to trying to mimic Jabba. Oh yeah, he was <laughs> he was literally trying to be Jabba. He was trying to be Jabba. And I'm like going, wow, Ben Fortuna kind of like lost it. Although, dude, I I was laughing though when he started talking to Fett, and Fett just shoots him. <laughs> well, I'm I'm glad they did that because the Boba Fett we know from. Okay, so we always make this these comments about listen, Boba Fett from the '90s was cool, but once you guys got rid of all that. None of it mattered, and Boba Fett was just a dude that was in a few seconds of a movie, and he didn't really do anything, and he had the wackest death of all time. So let's justify why he's awesome. Let's remind the fans why he's cool. And the Fett that we know, even from the now canon comic books, he's ruthless. He's vile. There's nothing honorable about him. And that was my my hesitation. Even though as a, a fanboy, I was like, yes. 
having Boba Fett and the Mandalorian side by side is awesome. But also, there's a conflict there in the way they do things. You can't make Boba Fett and his morality or his whatever code he has align with the Mandalorian. It doesn't align. Yeah. They're completely different. So having that post credit sequence show us just how ruthless he is. I mean, shooting an unarmed man straight in the chest and then throwing him off the throne was fucking gangster. <laughs> that was like the ultimate gangster. Star oh, Wars man, moment. dude, that it looks like we are getting the book of Boba Fett. Whatever that is. It'll be released December 2021. Yes. Now, now I'm not sure if it's another series or if it's going to be a movie. In my opinion, if anybody cares, Dave, it should be the first straight up film made for Disney Plus. As long as they don't hold any punches. I agree. Number one, we have too many series. I mean, come on, let's get just fucking put a Disney Plus movie out there. Just do it. Now, some people are thinking it might be part of the plot for season three of The Mandalorian. Because we go in chapters, you know, chapter one, chapter, chapter two, two, chapter, chapter three, three. And this might be the book of Boba Fett within The Mandalorian. Yes. I don't think that's the case. Even though the book of Boba Fett was not promoted at the Disney Investor Day event, they might have wanted to keep it a surprise. They wanted to let that post credit sequence have an impact. And if they would have announced this at, the investor group, it would have kind of taken that out. That would have taken that away. Yeah. Because, I mean, it just hit everywhere. When that episode dropped Friday morning, people were just talking all over the interwebs about that post-credit sequence. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So I'm thinking they didn't announce it simply because they wanted to save that reveal for for the post-credit sequence. For the post-credit sequence. But the thing is, Dave, is... The episode's now been out since Friday. It's been, we're recording on Sunday. Disney has not said a word about the book of Boba Fett. So it has people thinking possibly it'll be connected to the Mandalorian. I'm hoping it's completely separate. I'm Uh, with you. Now the Mandalorian season three has been greenlit. We know this. And it has also been stated that it will be released also in December 2021 around Christmas time. And the thing is, is like at this point, at this point, the question now becomes, where does the Jaren story go from here? He, he succeeded in his first mission, which was get get the child a la Grogu to his people. He did it. What's next for the Jaren? There's a lot you can do. Exactly. The sky, it's, it's a blank page. So do you think, cause there are people thinking that the story is now going to be about Boba Fett and that the next chapter is going to be in the Mandalorian is going to be titled the book of Boba Fett. And that's going to be our season three. And dude, I'm going to say this now. Fuck that. Yeah. Our character is Dejerin. Yes. Not Bobo Fett. I don't, if they do that, all the man, all the Bobo bros will be fucking happy. Yeah. But the bulk of the fan base of the Mandalorian will be fucking pissed. Will be fucking pissed. And that's why I'm like going, okay, if you could tie Dejaren's story, his next chapter of his life to Boba Fett. Yeah, I can, I can, 
I can gravitate towards that. Like maybe Boba Fett takes Dejaren under his wing because. But they're different. That just wouldn't work. It just. Uh, yeah, exactly. I don't see that. Dejaren working. isn't a murderer. Boba Fett is a murderer. Yeah. And that's why He's I don't, scum and villainy. Dave. That's why. That's why I, I, I want it to be separate. I'm pretty sure it is. I. I it's kind of strange that they would have a post credit sequence and call it the book of Boba Fett, not the Mandalorian season three coming soon. The book of Boba Fett. Yes. So I think we're okay, but the book of Boba Fett's probably going to be either an event series, six episodes, four episodes, or it's going to be a, a feature film. And I'm sure it's going to be connected to the Mandalorian. Yes. In some way, in it some might way. even be a lead in to the Mandalorian season three. We I mean, will see. We know that they're going to try to do a Marvel thing and connect all their series all together. So, I'm hoping that basically the Boba Fett series is separate and we don't see Dejaren and it just focuses on Boba. Okay, yeah. fine. Focus on Boba, but then, you know, have like these inklings of, oh, Dejaren's over here. Fine. But keep it separate from Mandalorian season three because me and you have speculated that they want to do this grandiose epic story like what Marvel did. And we already feel that basically the end villain, the Thanos of the entire Star Wars at this point has to be Thrawn. Well, <laughs> it doesn't have to be, but that's that would be the most that would be the most likely candidate. Dave, that's before I realized the sky's the limit. Yeah. Once you introduce Luke, all bets are off, Dave. They can do anything now. They can do anything. Yeah. But before before that, Luke, me and you were speculating that it's Thrawn. Thrawn's yeah. Thanos. Well, they definitely, <laughs> I don't think it's going to be Thanos. A lot of people are saying that, but who knows? I mean, we have a lot of stories going on in this time period now. We have the New Republic Rangers, yes. the Ahsoka series, and of course, the Mandalorian. And if you tie in the book of Boba Fett now, we have four storylines going on now, essentially. Honestly, dude, I thought about like what they could possibly do, and I, I discussed it with some friends. I'd like to see book the book of Boba Fett tied to the at this point, untold story of Crimson Dawn. I'd like that. If Crimson Dawn still exists, do they still exist? That one, not, we're not sure. Yeah, because we Darth know Maul, Maul is dead. So who knows? They may They. I was talking to my brother about this. We know that Lucas had this grand plan, and we'll get into the details on a later show, with, for Darth Maul. He had this big plan for Darth Maul and it was the idea was to have him be essentially this true phantom menace behind the scenes, gaining power as the galaxy falls apart. While the Empire loses power, he's gaining power by way of the crime syndicates that changed when Disney purchased Lucasfilm. They tried to bring it back in in different things. Uh, We saw it in season seven of Clone Wars. Um, They introduced it also in solo a star wars story that he is in charge of the crime syndicates and that's pretty much all we know but we do know that he also is now dead as of the rebels yes so there there is a power vacuum possibly there and maybe bubble fett will pick up the pieces that could be a story that they could be working on so we'll see um the jaren story as you had alluded to ended in a very unexpected place he's now in possession of the dark saber which means he's now the rightful ruler of, of Mandalore. Mandalore. so we know this is going to play a big part in season three 
this is going to create some contention between Bo-Katan and Dejeron as well. As we know, Bo-Katan's entire existence, her story, has been wrapped in Mandalore politics. Mandalore the very politics, conception yes. of her character. She's been on the good side of things. She's been on the bad side of things. So she has no qualms to make bad decisions <laughs> from a moral sense Yes, if it serves her. She isn't a bad person necessarily, but she has her own agenda. She's willing to play the game. Yeah. Put it that way. She's willing to play the political game to her own own goals. And her goal is to be the ruler of Mandalore. She's I mean, for Clone War fans and Rebels fans, this has been a ongoing thing with that character for a very long time. That's why it's and, what her entire character's about. Yeah, her entire arc at the end of Rebels when Sabine gives uh, you know, the uh, lends the dark saber to her was a big a giant moment because that was Sabine choosing you're going to be the ruler of Mandalore. Yeah. So this will be a very interesting part of the show next year and I think it's really going to bring a concrete path for the Mandalorian into focus. Um this is a classic tale. A man with desire for power is forced a man with no desire, desire. for power is forced to lead. If this is what they are doing, Either way, we are in some very interesting territory. Yes. All right. So we didn't really get more on exactly what Moff Gideon was doing with the Metachlorians. Yeah. But there are a lot of people thinking this has something to do with Palpatine and his plans for the First Order and his resurrection. Possibly, so. possibly needing those Metachlorians as a way to strengthen his clone bodies. Seems relatively simple, but I mean, Moff Gideon did say that the galaxy needs order. Yes. And they really stress the word order. So it would make sense that we may be seeing the the beginnings of the first order. Well, especially since, you know, like for the longest time, I thought the Metachlorians was going to be tied to his dark troopers. And then you find out, no, the dark troopers are. Is 100% machine. 100% machine. They're droids. So we still don't know. What exactly the Metachlorians were used were for. Ma- yeah, were, were used for. Now, whatever it is, there's a secret that they don't want people to know. Because a couple episodes ago, we saw that one Imperial officer kill his fellow officers and then bite down on, on electrical whatever it was. A cyanide that, pill, a version of a cyanide pill. Right, that killed him. And then Moff Gideon, who doesn't seem like anyone who would take his own life. Decided to take his own life as well. Yeah. So they know something. There's something in the works that whatever power it may be, they're afraid of this person and they know that they can't be caught well, with this information. Dude, especially the, the opening scene, which I actually particularly liked opening with that one officer um, talking to Carib Dune. And while holding the doctor hostage, yeah, yep, that encompasses what all of the Imperials feel right now, <laughs> that they know something that nobody else does. And dude, the way he was like saying, yeah, Alderaan, Alderaan was collateral damage. That was something to make sure to contain, just like what you alluded to, what he say? Order. 
and then he gets blasted in the in the in the head by by doom that was actually a cool look into Imper- the way the imperials think right now they do not care there's something they're they're in a bigger game right now and they know something also an interesting perspective because he gets into that gray area again mm-hmm. with conflict and battle and war when that imperial officer said millions of people died on the death star that's something that we don't really stop and think about exactly so there's a lot of anger out there right now in the galaxy it's and it's fueling these these individuals this was giving them motivation to do whatever they're doing so that will also be an interesting angle to get into for next season and that's the thing that there's so many things that they can delve into. How is it all going to connect connected to Jaren? Well, I don't know, Dave, but I mean, see, I, and this is why I'm, I'm okay with this season. That's why ultimately I like this season way more than the previous season, because last season it was like the story was relatively small. We weren't really quite sure where it was going. I mean, yes, it had its moments and I definitely enjoyed it overall, but season two Suddenly there's these possibilities. Possibilities, yes. And I like that moving into a season, knowing that there is so much room to grow. A lot of room to grow. All right, Dave, this does bring us to our final thoughts. Um, I just want to say I enjoyed the fuck out of this episode. I thought it was fun. It was a good balance between um, emotion and action. Uh, There were some fan service moments. Yep. Typically I'm not on board that, but in this in this instance it did work bringing Luke in, having R2 there. It sold us on a feeling, it gave us a a sense of emotion, so it all worked. My only nitpick I'd say with this episode is I, I'm not and I may sound like a Star Wars baby, this definitely is a Star Wars baby complaint and it was the musical choice. How the fuck didn't you use the Skywalker theme or a variation of it when Luke is killing the dark troopers? This has been one of my biggest issues with the series outside of some of the writing. The Mandalorian score is not really that great. Now, the Mandalorian theme is awesome. It's great. It's awesome. But the overall score, the musical choices, very inconsistent sometimes. And the music doesn't quite fit scenes. In fact, I might say it's jarringly off at moments. Not only does it feel like it's not a suitable score for whatever moment that we're watching, but also when you are editing a TV show or a movie, you edit something and then you send it off to the composer. Typically it's called... A picture lock. Yes. Picture lock is when you are done editing. You're done with everything that's going to change the running time. And then you send that to the composer and the composer makes his music based on picture lock. Where it feels like the music was composed first. Then they put in the scenes. Because none of the beats fit the action. Yes. And the way you actually compose music is you actually work with the beats of the action. Yeah. You go off of the, the, the visuals and you make sure that every single edit matches your music. And when Luke uses the force and he throws his hands out, there is no beat. There's no beat. The hit comes two seconds later. 
Then he slices. And then the hit comes two seconds later with the music. It felt really off. And I I can understand I can understand too because I had the same I had the same issue as you did. Everyone I've talked to has had the same issue. They're like, dude, the music during that scene it did it did not work. I've I've listened I've listened to the interviews of the uh, composer that does Mandalorian, and he, I understand he wants to he wanted to do something different. Oh, congratulations, you did something you did. different. You did something different, but. I think he focused too much on trying to be different and trying to uh, be unique with his score Yeah, that he forgot about his timing. Because the thing is, if you, if you were to just turn off the visuals and listen to the score, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. But when you put it to the visuals, then all of a sudden it's like the timing's way off. The, the tone of his choices don't make sense. <laughs> okay, so for example, this is the Boba Fett theme. was composed perfectly and I'll give yeah. you I want people to understand what I'm talking about. If you go back and watch the post credit sequence, you'll see how every movement Boba Fett makes goes with the beat. Goes with the beat. That's a and, properly scored scene. And essentially, this is his theme. And I will say the composer did an amazing job with this theme. This is one of the best things I've ever heard. <laughs> like heard. it's really good. it works with the visuals so that's why i say the nitpick because i don't think the composer sucks by any means he's, no, 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 no. he's very good he's not bad but there are some questionable moments throughout the run of the mandalorian and that scene with luke it would have been that much better if you just had a a different choice for music yeah a different work on his timing yeah. I'm, I'm sure, it, I bet you if you were to take unless two David seconds. was given to them before the picture was locked for whatever reason, because of coronavirus, because of deadlines of getting the the finished asset out to Disney Plus. Yeah, I, there can be a million different reasons. So I'm going to give this episode the final episode of season two, a 94 percent. David, what about you? All right. So. I am going to say that I did really enjoy the finale. The finale. The finale was a good episode. It's not a terrible episode. Uh, but I would actually say that this finale is basically what Mandal what the Mandalorian season two is pretty much all about. It had a very choppy beginning. Uh, borderline on the weak side of the beginning, but it had a hell of a strong finish. And when you look at Mandalore, uh, the Mandalorian season two, that's pretty much, if you look at mine and yours criticism of it, very beginning, we're kind of shaky about it. We're going, yeah, well, where are they going? What, what are they? They're still trying to find their footing. And then as soon as they get towards the end, 
the Ahsoka episode, suddenly they found their rhythm and all of a sudden it's off to the races. So overall, my I had two major nitpicks on the episode. One was the score and the other was, I'm sorry, the the acting in the very beginning of your four, essentially your four, uh, the four first major characters between the Bo-Katan, uh, I don't even know what Sasha Banks' character's name is. <laughs> Care of Doom and uh, I forgot the assassin. Care of Doom wasn't in that scene. In the bar? I believe so. Yeah, she wasn't there. Uh, Your problem, David, basically is uh, is Sasha Baron. Or yeah. Sasha, what's Sasha, her name? Sasha Banks. Sasha Baron is a comedian. Right? <laughs> That's a comedian. But like the overall amateur acting that i got in the very beginning mm-hmm. almost killed me it almost killed me i just, i don't you said this to me before we went on the air today and honestly Dave, what did you expect from sasha banks we have said that she sucks she's not very good dude <laughs> but the thing is i would love to see progression and see them actually use don't let her just go hog wild know her weakness and basically say okay we're going to basically make sure to cut you a little bit and I, yeah. I and I put that on the director. I put that solely at the foot. Don't of you the put directors. that evil on him? <laughs> <laughs> I put that evil. I put that evil on him. And the so that was a major nitpick of mine. And hence I'm not going to argue with you about Sasha Banks. I've said it from the time from the very beginning. Like she's not very good. Yeah. So overall, my final score for this particular episode is a 89 it's a 89 really good really good uh 89 percent. even 89%. though you loved the episode yeah i'm so confused dave your ratings make no sense well this because time. i can't i can't deny the we i can't deny the problems that i had with it i can't <laughs> because if i say this is a great the, the greatest thing on sliced bread i'm no better than the people that basically uh well, well, give it a 9.9 9 yeah <laughs> on, on on the thing and I love the ending. I've watched the ending like on But repeat. that's all you liked, really? Yeah. You just liked the last like five minutes? No, 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 no. Probably Dave. the 15 minutes because I love I loved the Gideon stuff, dude. The Gideon stuff is awesome. I think he's a yeah. fantastic villain. I want to see more of I, him. The problem is, Dave, is that there wasn't a story. And I think eventually we're going to have to start looking at what we're reviewing and review it based on what it is. What it is, yeah. Because there, if you really look at this episode, there there wasn't really a story. It was just an action sequence. <laughs> and, and, that, I, and, that's the, and the reason why we're getting that is because we're not writing even episodes. If Favreau had written out an even season, uh-huh. we wouldn't have had moments that well, this episode is just going to be 90% action because uh, that's just how it turned out. (laughs) Yeah. So, all right. I want to thank everyone for listening. Thank you, David. Thank you. May the force be with us. Ah, yes.